It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. Al, I thought it was interesting. You know, you brought it up. You know, is is Brock Purdy Nick Mullins 2.0? And a couple things that make me feel like he's not. One, we're talking about a guy that, that again, turned down a scholarship offer from Alabama to go to Iowa state, right? Started as a true freshman played four years, right? He came in game five, his true freshman year and never relinquished the relinquished the job. And I think he, so I think he played 47 games at Iowa state, a power five school, right? Nick Mullins coming from FCS, right? Southern miss. um, Right. I think it was Southern miss. Yes. Regardless, not a power five school. Here's the other thing that I thought was interesting, and, and and I think you talked about it, Mullins, turnover prone, especially in 2020. Here's the thing that Brock has that Mullins didn't. Uh, who was it? Uh, Computer Cowboy, Ben Baldwin, tweeted this out. Uh, he, he It was part of a Kevin Cole piece from PFF, and it was quarterback efficiency specifically for San Francisco with and without Debo and Kittle on the field, right? And they show Jimmy, Mullins, and Bethard. Uh, Jimmy had tw- uh, 2,140 dropbacks as a, uh, as a 49er. And of those 2140 over a thousand had both Debo and Kittle on the field at the same time, Nick Mullins had 704 dropbacks of those 704 dropbacks, eight, eight of those dropbacks had Debo and Kittle on the field at the same time. Wow. Wow. And you think about 2020, if Debo and Kittle aren't on the field, who's 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 catching passes? It was Richie James. Mm -hmm. It was River Craycraft. It was, you know, it was a hodgepodge of of nobodies. Right. And so Brock Purdy has Debo. Brock Purdy has Kittle. Brock Purdy has Brandon Ayuk. Brock Purdy has Christian McCaffrey. Right. Brock Purdy has. A and we, we I use this term a lot an embarrassment of riches at the uh you know at at the skill position and so all he all he has to do is get the ball in their hands right he doesn't have to be a hero he doesn't have to play hero ball he doesn't have to create he just has to get the ball to his playmakers and the one thing that I wanted again as 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 captain of the Brock Purdy hype train I was listening to 49ers talk with Matt Miyoko and Jennifer Lee Chan. And uh, Jennifer had this tidbit, which I thought was re- spoke volumes to who Purdy is and why he was able to be successful this past Sunday. And she said, uh, this season, after practice is over, while the rest of the team goes back into the locker room, Purdy stays out on the field with a single cameraman, and he goes through the entire QB1 game, stri- game script by himself on the field and then goes by himself and reviews his own tape of how he ran that uh, ran that script. And so, to me, the preparation is off the charts. You heard him at the at the podium. Maturity beyond his years. The dude's twenty two years old. He's going to be twenty three later this month, but he's still only twenty two years old. Again, you've got Trey Lance and Brock Purdy who are roughly the same age, right? And so. That's the thing that I love about Trey as well is up here. And I think that's what's going to make him successful. And the same thing with Brock. Brock isn't going to win with his arm. He's going to win with his brain. And as long as he stays within himself, 
I don't think that 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 we we're going to see a Nick Mullins 2.0. And I think a lot of it has to, is going to have to do with matchups too as they move forward. So I'm thinking about these playoff scenarios, right? And I'm thinking about if the Niners got to muck it up a little bit and win ugly, can they do that? And they can. The first thing, John, you mentioned the Niners got to beat Seattle, and I agree with you. Because if you look at Seattle's remaining schedule, they play the Panthers this week. Seattle's come back down to earth, I feel like, but I still think they're going to beat the Panthers. You have the Niners game. You have the Chiefs game. They're going to lose that game. They're playing the Jets, but they're playing the Jets at home. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of a toss up. You know, we'll see maybe. Then they have Mike the Rams, White, that. Mike White, baby. And well, have, and the Jets will be playing for play. the Jets will be playing for their playoff lives as well. Yeah, with Garrett Wilson, they got some players, man. Um, and then they finish up with the Rams, who are going to be packed up at that point, probably. So there's there's definitely two wins there. I feel like Baker Mayfield and the Rams. So probably probably at that point. So that Niners game is huge. Because if they do beat the Niners, they're probably getting the 10 it's, wins. And, it's probably done. Yeah. The division's probably done if, if, that you, if you win that game. But you know what, though, John? So I'm looking at the playoffs, okay? Philly's getting the one seed, right? Minnesota looks like they're getting the two. Let's say the Niners don't go. Well, let's look at the Niners at three and six. Say the Niners win the division at three, and then somebody's going to win the South. It'll probably be Tampa, right? You would think so. And then Dallas is definitely the five seed. I don't think there's any way around that. And then you're going to see for two two teams for the last three look like Seattle, Giants, and Washington. Even if the Niners don't win the division, the Niners go to six. Yeah, so three or six at, seem like almost locks. It's like three yeah. or six. Or six, exactly. And either way, so let's say they're three, okay? They're either going to be playing Giants. Seattle, the Giants, or Washington mm-hmm. at home. Those are all incredibly... Easy, not to say easy, but winnable. The commanders winnable. is the one that makes me like scratch my head just because of that defensive matchup. I could see some issues, but as far as matchups go, oh my gosh, give me the Giants and Seahawks all day, all day. Right and even, if, even if they go to six, they're playing the Seahawks. They got to go to Seattle, but they're playing the right. Seahawks, which I don't think are massively more talented than the Niners. And I think they could muck that game up if they have to. So let's say I'm going to be Iowa state weather is a mess, by the way, if you've ever been up there. So it it, Brock's played a lot of games in some messy situations. So that's comforting. So let's say Arizona kid. I think he's an Arizona kid. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to, I think they're going to get the three seed. So let's be positive. They get the three seed. They have, we think they could win that first round. Right. And then I don't see Dallas losing. Either. Well, you'd be playing the two seed no matter what. Uh, right. If, yeah. No right, matter what. Oh, right. Is it reseed? Oh, right. 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 Not, what, we get a Giants, then a Vikings matchup? And again, okay. You, okay. exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'll take that. Again, that's another game. If the Niners can't, aren't breaking 20 points, I'll still take that game because I think they're going to just, you know, we've seen what Kirk Cousins can get rattled. So the only game I'm looking at where, like, oh, I don't think they could muck it up with is, is the Eagles. And that's the NFC Championship. And who but knows? but in that scenario that we just talked about, be playing I Dallas, could probably. easily see Dallas going into Philly and beating Philly. And yeah. if that's the case, then you get Dallas, but you get them at Levi's and not mm-hmm. in Dallas. Right. Yeah. And those are yeah. the two most uh, yeah. questionable matchups for the 49ers, Philly and right. Dallas. Even and though I would love to play Dallas, that's like my arch nemesis. Probably the high point last year was that Cowboys game, man. That, was, that playoff Cowboy game was... I'll remember that for the rest of my life. That was incredible. Um, But yeah, you're right, man. And and Al, I think you painted the picture. It is set up just on T. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. Brock, just, just go do your thing, Brock, chill out. He didn't complete one pass over 20 yards. It's not like you got to put the ball in jeopardy. 
Just keep mm-hmm. checking it down. Right. Easy. Get it to your studs. Manage the game. I don't, I don't think he was a game manager, though, but, like, just chill. Just chill. Don't be – don't Mullins it. Yeah, I think that, like, right. he, he threw it 37 times. And how many times have we seen a situation like this where a third-string quarterback who's had no first-team reps, obviously, who's just coming off the bench, been inactive, inactive for a good portion of the year, they come in and they totally just wet the bed. And they can't the, the offense, you just can't even run the offense at all. Yeah. And the fact that they were able to run that offense almost like it was normal was just like that was the most shocking fact to me in, in a good way. And that's right. that all the credit goes to Kyle and Purdy, of course. Kyle, the playmakers for getting the ball in their hands and doing something with it. But man, like that was to me one of the biggest things that they didn't really seem to miss a beat at all. And that's what I'm that's that's I think what encourages 49er fans going forward is that like if he had totally just you know, stunk it up and they scored three points the rest of the game. It's like, okay, well, yeah, what do you expect? He's a he's a seventh round rookie, right? He's Mr. Irrelevant. What do you expect out of that? But he came in there and he looked competent. He looked confident and they looked like they can actually, you know, win games with him at quarterback. And I think that's why everybody's so excited. I will say this real quick. It's sorry to jump in, but like the Dolphins forced Kyle's hand. Those six man fronts, it was one, mm-hmm. there, it happened three times, I think, totally in the game where it was third and short, like third and four or less. They had all 11 players within a yard and a half of the yep. line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And Kyle tried running into it the first time, lost yards, punted at midfield. Then, same thing happened again. And you see, you see, uh, BCB giving the call, can can, baby. He, he switched it up on third down and freaking rolled out. Awesome completion, I think, to Debo or Ayuk on that time. But they one forced, was Debo, one was Ayuk. Yeah, right. They forced him places. to throw the ball. Kyle had no choice. Uh, there's no way in hell Kyle wanted to throw the ball 37 times with Brock Purdy. But mm-hmm. they, McDaniel's, the defensive staff, everybody basically said we're gonna make this kid beat us, and he delivered. So there's a little bit of concern that I have though, and we talked about this on our last show about the running game and the lack of kind of traction, specifically when McCaffrey, I mean, catching them all, he's been fantastic, right? Mm -hmm. But running the ball, it seems like he's been kind of slow to get his footing a little bit. And Brian, you mentioned that it's because he's not a between the tackles runner. He's more of like a, because, because the, the runners in this offense are successful, just like the one cut and like hit the hole, like Mostert Mitchell, like that's how they run. Like the downhill runners, McCaffrey kind of picks a hole and is able to find, find space as, as evidenced by the cutback, run, The cutback, uh, the cutback run that basically ended the game, right? Like he was able to find some space in there. Is there something to that or should we be kind of worried about this going forward? I'm, I'll be very, very honest with you. The The biggest issue for any 49er starter, and this is a two-part answer here, so apologies. The center position has been really good in pass pro. I'm just going to be very, very honest. Like yeah. he has been great. Brindle has been great in pass pro. As good as he has been in pass pro, he's been equally ter- like terrible in the running game. And we have been spoiled with the center play that we've had, which is crazy to say. But he cannot maintain blocks in the middle of the field at that crease point or that backside like cutback that we did see uh, McCaffrey mm-hmm. hit that 30-yarder on. It's bad. And so a big reason why we're having so many third and sevens and third and six instead of third and twos is because that interior offensive line, not really everybody, but mostly Brindle, um, it's struggling. He gets to where he's supposed to be. He cannot maintain a block for more than a second and a half. And so we have a slow developing you know, zone, whatever. But you are correct. Uh, CMC is a space player. And whenever you're going in against five and six man like defensive line front, I'm not talking about like an eight man box, which there is that as well. Literally six defenders in every single gap. 
it's difficult. That's why Jordan Mason's having the success he is having because he just run through your soul. That's not who McCaffrey is. He has to have mm-hmm. space to create more space. And it, it, I think it's going to continue to look that way with CMC early, unfortunately. Well, and here's the, here's the interesting thing. Like, again, you hear about people talking about the 49ers after Garoppolo goes down. Hey, Brock doesn't have to do everything. They just got to lean on the running game, lean on the defense, right? Because that's, that's always been the narrative. That's been the narrative since Kyle's been there. Uh, the 49ers are 22nd in rushing DVOA right now. 22nd. Uh, they actually have a negative 8.7% DVOA, which means that on average, they are the defense has has a significant advantage when the 49ers are running the ball. Um, now, the cool, the, the nice thing is uh, weeks one through nine, they were uh, 25th in rushing DVOA. And since week 10, they've been 12th. So they've gotten better. And I think part of that, like you said, John, is, is Jordan Mason. Um, but uh, Jason Aponte put this on Twitter uh, again right before we recorded, and I thought this was interesting. Um, the 49ers are averaging 3.73 yards per run over right guard and 4.12 yards per run over right tackle, which are 24th and 23rd in the league respective, uh, respectfully, and then 5.7 yards when they run to the left. And so they're starting to get a little predictable as well because they're not successfully running to the right. Most of their successful runs come to the left. And so it and just even that McCaffrey like, play was designed to the right, cut back correct, to the left. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so I, I think the issue is run blocking. And and John said it, it's it's Brendel, but it's the whole line. McGlinchey is not run blocking like like he used to prior to that injury, um, which really kind of lowers his value because even though he's shaky in pass protection, he was an elite run blocker for a tackle. Yep. He hasn't been that this season. Um, and then Brendel banks the rotation at, at right guard. It's just it, the, the, the line isn't run blocking the way that they, that they normally do. And so the, the, the fear for me again, when we talk about Brock Purdy and how far can we go is if the running game isn't going to get going, they are going to have to throw the ball a lot more. And if, and then if that happens, you know, where do we land with Brock? I believe in him. I believe that he can succeed. Uh, I believe that we will win. Right. But who knows? So that is, that is, a, I, to me, that's the biggest issue of this uh, entire offense is that offensive line, but more specifically their run blocking. Mm-hmm. 